everybody. How's it going? Dan Schinder here. And Stephen Schinder here. And a bit of Flight of the Morglade from Elias of Sun Pillow playing, which is yeah. our feature. Here on Yes Shift. Yeah, this version is from the Montreux Jazz Festival in 1979, apparently. Like, they had Anderson, Howe, and Wakeman there. So it's, I guess, kind of like ARW, but without the R plus the H or something. I don't know. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of vintage at this point. The album had only been out a short time when they did this, which is cool. So it's very topical and relevant at the time. Not that he couldn't pull this out now and it'd be a, a very gem, but uh, it's cool that they did this way back then. Yeah, uh, so I guess we should begin with the context of this album. Um, but first, before I forget, I just want to give a quick shout out. So I got a message from Tim Lutterby and one from John Vehadija or Vehadia about how the website, the new yesfans.com now has the original uh, yesfans URL attached to it. So it's right. www.yesfans.com. So yeah, I think that's nice. They couldn't carry over some of the older stuff, but that simpler, more familiar URL is nice to have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Elias of Sun Hillo. So this was something that was brewing for quite a bit for John. And you know, I listened to the interview he did with Allison Steele back in 76 and the old Grey Whistle Test thing. And evidently, you know, Roger Dean's artwork on Fragile was an inspiration. And John had also read some works by Vera Stanley Alder, and uh, there might be some Tolkien influences as well. Um, and John says there was a saint named Elias. Uh, I don't know if he meant like literally with the letter O or with an E, but... Or his mushroom uh, dealer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny that, well, we'll get to that, but um, <laughs> basically um, he says that he... Uh, had like a story and he was like, I'm not sure if I can write that. But then he took his family to Greece and woke up one morning and heard the buzzing of bees and watched the sunrise for two hours and then started writing the story of Elias of Sunhillo. Um, and this, uh, let me just uh, pull this up real quick. And uh, folks chime in and give us your thoughts to the questions Steve and I ask each other and the points we talk about with this fantastic album. We think it's fantastic anyways. We don't discuss this stuff a lot before the show whatsoever. So sometimes we surprise each other with each other's answers and we want to know your thoughts also. Yeah, it, it's somewhat fantastic, I would say. Uh, no, just kidding, I love <laughs> this album. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so this quote uh, is actually from the Yes Years video, and it was brought to my attention again, thanks to another musician named Peter de Amor, who incidentally uh, recently re-released a track of his called Flying Part Two from his indie album, The Line. And on, on that track, uh, he actually had Billy Sherwood play 
on drums. Like it was a remix of a track he did, I guess, and he had Billy play on it. So that's really cool. And I'll link that in the comments and in the podcast description when I have a moment. But uh, so the quote from Yes Years is, actually got a lot of equipment this is john by the way i actually got a lot of equipment keyboards 24 track recorder drums percussion put it in my garage and locked myself away for six months nearly went mad i'm very proud of that album and i I also found this uh, quote from martin popoff's book time and a word so i'm not sure if this quote was from around the time that book came out a few years ago or if it was an old quote he dug up but it basically, uh, according to that book, John also says, in general, there's no way you can get to the truth about life through drugs or magic, things like that. It's within you, um, which was kind of a funny quote to come across because we kind of joke about like, what was John on and whatever, but uh, wh- whatever the case, uh, we've also talked about how, uh, like on our show, how like, Roger Dean was asked if he, or John tried asking Roger Dean if he could do the art for Elias of Sunhillo, but someone at Roger's office uh, while he was away kept hanging up somehow. I don't know if there was like difficulty with like the phone machinery or something. Oh, wow. But but, So uh, he finally said, screw it. (laughs) Uh, I guess uh, he got David Fairbrother Road to do the art, which... I'm honestly glad that that ended up being the case because it somehow suits John more, like the yellow lettering. Um, I actually have my copy of the CD here. Um, and and not just the yellow lettering, but I, I appreciate it too. Like Steve and I are both huge Roger Dean fans, huge. But the individuality of the solo album and having a different artist really kind of stepped John away even further from yes. But not only that, because Roger's done album covers for Steve Howe, Rick Wakeman, and so on, and others, and they do look different than yes covers, but really more so with this cover, Elias of Sun Hello, it truly has its totally own personality that really embodies the music of this as much as Roger's artwork has embodied the music of yes. Very interesting that two artists, graphic artists, painters, could create something um, that centric to the same musician, but in two different settings. I think that's interesting. Yeah, and this copy that I have, uh, this is the 2006 re-release from Wounded Bird. And uh, like the sole reason that I got it a few years ago was just so John could sign it at the 1000 Hands show that I went to in San Diego. So I got him to sign it. But what's kind of depressing is like in this particular version, the inside is like the artwork is very shrunken down and it's on just two pages. I was in the pool. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know if they fixed that for the like re-release last year but yeah it's i would not be able to read this so for that reason i'm sure the vinyl was very ideal like okay so for me my intro to this album was again back in 2008 when i was getting into like the yes solo stuff and other prog rock stuff but what was it like for you when you first got into this uh, album so it came out uh 
I got it when it came out. I still have the LP. I don't know why I didn't pull it out. Probably because it's back there in a cabinet and would have taken some time. But I have it. And the artwork. So you got is, it in seventy six? Yes. No, I'm sorry. I got it in seventy eight. I got it in seventy. I got it mm. two years after it came out, and it just took me away. It took me away as much as close to the edge and tails took me away. It was that kind of album for yeah. me, you know, just you're in the story and the story takes you away. And the artwork is certainly part of that. The packaging of the LP at the time was certainly part of that. And as Steve showed us, it doesn't translate nearly the same way um, after being in the pool. I mean, being <laughs> shrunken down you know, like that. It just it just doesn't do it justice. They did a great job with the design and the actual artwork. And of course, we haven't even gotten to the music yet, but here was John. Here was John Anderson, the voice of Yes, the persona of Yes. And now he was doing something, he had done something outside of Yes and the curiosity was just you know, mind bending. And then to see that album cover, whoa, it all just yeah. fell into place and fit. And I still love, love, love the album and the music. Yeah, like you mentioned topographic oceans. And for me, my big three, when it comes to like really high up there, spacey prog albums is like, Elias, Topographic Oceans, and the Anderson Stolt album, Invention of Knowledge. Like those are my like holy um the Trinity. Trinity, if you will. Yeah. Um yeah. Of Prague. Yeah. So this came out in July uh 24th, 1976. And uh basically John performed everything, it looks like. And there, there are like some names listed for the production or like engineering and mastering and stuff. But in terms of the instruments, he played everything. And, and that, just... that's very impressive considering, and John, if you're watching or listening, I, I know you know we say this with love and with all due respect, but it's very impressive considering he's playing a lot of instruments he didn't know how to play, if that makes sense. Instruments that he wasn't really schooled on and all of that and does a magnificent job. Um, I think my favorite song, if I could, can I put that out there yet? Or do you not want to go there yet? Yeah, we could go there. Okay. It's the one I can't pronounce. The quack, 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 quack. Oh, I, I know how to pronounce it. It's co-quake and transic. Thank you. That's a tongue twister and brain twister. That might be my favorite song. One of the reasons is I love his blend of all the different streamed instruments and the sort of percussion ensemble that's going with it. And I believe that all those different streamed instruments may have been influenced. And this is always one of our questions when it comes to Yes solo albums. And we're covering the first solo album by a Yes member that was put out after they had joined Yes. What was the influence by Yes, if any, or vice versa? And I hear so much influence by Steve Howe. Not that he's playing like Steve Howe, of course, but the fact that Steve brought with him this arsenal and this skill set of so many different odd 
stringed instruments, uh, you know, not, not just the obvious one, six string, 12 string acoustic guitar, um, mandolin, mandola, but the volchalia, the lap steel guitar, all these weird instruments. And I hear a lot of that influence in this uh, texturally and, and musically, and I, I love it. I think that might be my favorite song on the whole album. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and list these tracks very quickly and then say what my favorites are. Okay. Uh, so we got Ocean Song, and it, some of these are like grouped next to each other with like a slash, because like it's multiple songs on the same track. So we got Meeting, uh, also known as Garden of Jeddah, Sound Out the Galleon, Dance of Ranyard, Elias, uh, To Build the Morglade, Coquake and Transic, Neon Transicto, I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, Flight of the Morglade, Solid Space, Moon Raw, Chords, Song of Search, and To the Runner. And this is a very well-rounded concept album all around, I'll just say right off the bat. And uh, it's about, you know, there's this volcano that's breaking the world apart, and there are these four tribes, and so... Uh, these three magicians, as John has described them, Elias, Ranyart, and Coquake, are trying to like unite these tribes and use this Morglade, which is built from fish, from what I gathered from the lyrics. And then I read elsewhere that like fish and trees sacrifice themselves to like build the Morglade, which is really wild to think about. I was um, close because I always thought it was fish sticks. Yeah, I mean, this really does look like a fish out of water, so to speak. Um, and yeah, and uh, I, I also have like a pun in mind. I might as well get out of the way. It's July and we're talking about Elias of Sunhill. So July is of Sunhill. Okay, got that out of the way. <laughs> um, but my favorite track might actually surprise you because it's instrumental and doesn't have John singing. Oh, um, it, which one? Uh, it's Song of Surge, so like the second to last song. It's very, to me, it sound, on its own, it sounds kind of melancholic and like thinking about life and how things it's contemplative. Yeah, things sometimes end. And then with To the Runner, it feels like a new beginning type of thing. Uh, I've even written lyrics of my own while listening to Song of Surge kind of set to its tune inspired by it and yeah Interesting. It's, uh, I just love that song but I've also uh, liked Moon Ra a lot I mean I like all of them we're talking about some that we really put up there I've always liked Moon Ra as well and of course Flight of the Morglade is kind of like the oh, yeah it's, it's a staple yeah absolutely yeah, if there were to be a title Fly track that would be it yeah, I love Flight of the Morglade, and uh, To the Runner is kind of a reprise of Flight of the Morglade, I guess. Um, and there's some really great lyrics on Sound Out the Galleon. Like, the words on there, it, the way that... I feel like there are some words on there where John turns a noun into a verb, and it just works because of how musical it sounds, like when he strings them together, and it's just amazing uh, how that works. You know, one of the other things I noticed about this, because I've been listening to it lately, is um, if you listen to the way he recorded his voice and how it was engineered and the sound of his voice, um, it 
to me, reminds me so much of the way his voices sound on We Have Heaven. And I I find that interesting because of the glider and Morglade relationship and the earth splitting from a volcano. And then you've got that song from Fragile and his voice being so similar. I wonder if all that was conscious or unconscious or subconscious or just coincidence but his voice is so much like that album specifically that song did you pick up on any of that yeah i actually remember before going into elias of sun hilla when i was in middle school like the way i read it described was basically it's like we have heaven but expanded so um i mean should we just go ahead and hit the question of how did working with yes influence this yeah since it feels like we're already touching on that yeah Um, so i go ahead uh so i was gonna say i do think fragile was a huge part of it you know you got roger dean's artwork which had to have planted this and i mean he was gonna get roger dean to do this so there you go and we have heaven feels very much like when john wanted to do this album he wanted to do more of that so i feel like it was very much he wants to do more of a specific yes song that was all him rather than like something that he did with like all of yes and um i don't know if you picked up on this but this time around i was thinking maybe ocean song you know the opening song where it's very it's kind of slow kind of building up it kind of gave me the same vibes as the added intro to the 2003 re-release of revealing science of god that had to be cut originally yeah i did pick up on that uh, yeah i feel like that may have possibly been a case where john might have been like well we cut that i want to do something like that again and keep it on this album and even Uh, named it to kind of coincide with the theme yeah um because but what Go ahead. Then I want to ask you something about the art. Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to say the song naming makes me imagine there's a lot of water on the, like it's by a seashore, like where these people live. That's kind of why I imagine thanks to the song names. But yeah, go ahead. So had he gotten Roger, had they opened the lines and put the call through, had he gotten Roger to do the artwork, would he, do you think he would have said, hey, can I use that glider? Or would that have made it to yes? Would he have realized that? Would Roger have said something? Or would he have said to Roger, can you make me a different glider? Like, it's just odd that there's also a glider. And it would have been more odd if it was Roger that did it, having done what what he'd done. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I feel like the glider that he went with, with David Fairbrother Rowe, feels different enough. Like, not just because of the art style, but also because of the colors of it so yeah I, I don't know maybe if he had gotten roger he would have been fine with using the same exact glider but, but could he have isn't that part of a roger dean trademark or the yes trademark it could be but i feel like if roger owns it and he works on elias then maybe it would have been fine interesting um, yeah and I mean, I'm sure the record company would have been cool with it, too, because, you know, they would have wanted something that makes people think, oh, this we love yes. So let's get this album that looks like it has something yes-ish on it. Tie it Um, together. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I, I do love the direction that uh, he actually did go with it. And I feel like much of this um, iconography felt, it became part of John's identity. I mean, we have like this uh, circle with a square and triangle uh, and right. he's like had that on stage during the Union tour and other things. Um, and yeah, it's very, it feels very john um do you, but do you think that if roger dean had done the artwork it would have changed how we perceive the music and the story of this that's so hard to say because i i can't imagine something visually to be more fitting and it's easy to say that being that this is the only visual representation we have Right. But it's just so fitting. I can't I just can't see it any other way. You know, like I, I can't picture John with a white afro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> um and like what do you think is the deepest, if at all, factor that relates to had yes being in yes influenced the sound of this? I feel like, I don't know if the yes sound and approach to influence this, but I do think John's position in yes and how he grew and wanted to grow further influenced it. Because I do vaguely remember uh, there was a quote from Eddie Offord where he talked about how some of the guys in the band would kind of tease him a little and you know, in the early 70s where, you know, like on Yes songs, we're used to seeing John mostly like have a tambourine. But as the 70s progressed, like mid-70s onward, he'd um, use an acoustic guitar every now and then. And so I kind of feel like he really wanted to grow and sort of prove himself, show that he can do a lot more than what I guess people thought he could do, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's true. And and that really blossomed on this. Yeah. And funny enough, um, apparently, like, after this album came out, um, there's, like, this really funny anecdote uh, pertaining to Vangelis. Let me just pull it up real quick. Um, so after Elias of Sun Hillo came out, um like management from the record company that Vangelis was with, uh, they said that they weren't happy that he played on Elias of Sun Hillo without telling them. And he was like, well, I didn't perform on this. And (laughs) there's this quote uh, that was from an interview with him that got translated to English where he said, I myself was very surprised it had my name on the thank you list. Maybe I have influenced John, I don't know. And it's clear that it's closer to this than you get with yes, but maybe it's a coincidence. In any case, it's a formidable feat. There is such a record when it features like John, a debutante on keyboards. I'm not really sure what that means. Um, I believe the record represents more the way he is than what he does with yes, no offense intended. Anderson is not an instrumentalist in the old sense of the term, and yet he has made, with lots of effort, a marvelous record. And it's pretty well put, actually. Yeah, and I do think this um, 
does sound somewhat reminiscent of some of Vangelis's work. Um, and b- while we're on this uh, sort of tangent, I just want to bring up that uh, John Beakley and Robin Shell's cover of the John and Vangelis uh, song Horizon That's right. is up on Facebook now over at John Beakley Music. And uh, yeah, so you and I have both listened to this cover uh dad what did you think of it oh and then I'll my thoughts. totally shredded it no it's brilliant <laughs> but i mean shredded could mean like that's a true. positive thing in rock but that's yeah. true it's brilliant it sounds great the music and the vocals wow it really lives up it's a great tribute how about you yeah it sounds because john beagley had been posting about how he was trying to figure out how to get it like really close to the music. And it sounds like if I had listened to it without knowing what it was, I think I would have thought it was the same exact track by John and Vangelis. But then when Robin starts singing, I might've been thinking for like a couple minutes that maybe something was different about my volume or something. And then eventually figure out, Oh, it's a different singer. Um, He definitely sounds a bit more different in the second half of the song. But it's still, like, it's a great tribute and a really nice thing that they put together in light of Vangelis's recent passing. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great tribute. Um, Where I stand with the influence of Yes on this album, some of it's the same as what you said, but I'll put it in a little bit different words. Yeah. The part where John did grow, and I think, had he not been in Yes... I don't think he would have been able to acquire all that stuff Mm. and lock himself up and know how to use it. I think living in the studio, recording all those Yes albums and watching Eddie Offord and, you know, all these. I think that's that gave him the skill sets to work his way through it. Uh, So more than just musically was he influenced by being in Yes, but just being able to use the gear and all of that. Um, and then I think of, so what came out right after this with Yes, and you have um, Going for the One, which we're going to be featuring on the 11th. We're going to talk about that album. And the I kind of hear how possibly Wondrous Stories may have oozed out of this experience yeah. a little bit for him. Because a lot of the album for me, if you boil it all down to the Gold Flakes, it's folk music. And if you look at it that way, progressive, of course, and it's got the Tolkien elements and these other things that Steve mentioned in the opening. And then you listen to Wondrous Stories and how beautifully organic and kind of folksy that is. I I hear that being a thread from what happened before Elias through Elias to Wondrous Stories and maybe even turn of the century. Yeah, I think I also hear seeds of Awaken in this because there are moments where it sounds um, kind of tribal, for lack of a better word. And Awaken definitely has those types of moments, I feel. Interesting. Yeah. It's a great album. Folks, let us know what you think. If you're uh, watching on Facebook, um, whether it's live or the archive, chime in in the comments. Let us know what you think of Elias of San Hilo. If you're a Yes fan, if you're a John Anderson fan, and somehow, for whatever crazy alternate universe <laughs> reason, you're not familiar with this album, get it. 
It's great. If you could find the vinyl, even if you don't have anything to play the vinyl on, get the CD to listen to it on. Get the vinyl for the packaging that we talked about yeah. earlier. It's really great. It really. I remember even the texture of the paper and the print wasn't yeah. just like, you know? Yeah, I love how the cover looks like it's an ancient book, like an ancient text type yeah. of thing. Yeah, like it's embossed leather or something. Right. Yeah. So uh, I mentioned the um, old gray whistle test interview, and that's where they played this stop motion video set to the song Flight of the Morglade, or yeah. maybe maybe putting the song over that video. But yeah, what were your reactions to that video? As soon as I saw it, I had kind of a flashback, like, oh my God, I remember this. And I haven't had time today. I want to show Anja because she's a huge, you know, old movie buff, like way back to before talkies, you know, the silent films. And I want to see if she recognizes it and see what it's from. Yeah, because it's a really odd choice. It's different from other promo videos for these Yes Solo albums in that it doesn't feature the artist within the video. And not only that, but what's going on in the video, like it's, you know, it's black and white, stop motion. It shows, to me, it looked like it was a knight uh, who goes to slay a dragon and then rescue the princess type of thing. And in my head, I'm thinking, what does this have to do with Elias of Sun Hillo? Like, and because of that disconnect, it would have been great fast forward many years for him to have used that video for a promotion of the album animation. Oh, like the 1982 soul album? You yeah. Mean? Huh. Because at least it's animated <laughs> to a degree. I mean, there's some connection. Yeah. I mean, funny enough, the first time I watched this video back in 2008, I must have not been paying enough attention or maybe the quality of the version I saw wasn't that great. But for the longest time, I remember thinking that this video was 2d animation that was somehow in black and white for some reason oh, wow. but, but yeah no it's stop motion and it's like i i kind of wonder like if this was maybe some sort of public domain thing that they dug up and just slapped the music onto or if they yeah, i don't know let's get if, john on and ask him yeah I, i'd love to ask him about that yeah um, and it's very intricate too yeah, because fast forward to a couple of years ago, and on his YouTube channel, he re-uploaded this interview, but omits that particular stop motion video, and instead places like this, uh, like three D computer animation. That's kind of what you'd expect from his YouTube channel. It's got like asteroids and um, a ship that looks kind of generic. Doesn't look like the Morglade really. Um, but I guess thematically feels more like the story in that sense because, you know, it's space and stuff. So I kind of wonder if maybe that was a rights thing or if it was maybe John thinking maybe he was not that happy with that Just original it. video. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So so yeah. where where does this album rank for you? I know this is a difficult question as I'm asking it. I'm thinking, why well, I don't want to answer this, but I'm going to ask Steve anyways. Where does this rank for you? for Yes member solo albums? Uh, it's 
it's got to be my favorite of all of them. It's the one I've listened to the most, like not just out of Yes Member solo albums, but of any solo albums. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's n- my number one solo album for me, I think. And uh, to be fair, listening to Story of I recently sort of challenged that. But at really? the end of the day, yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, even before re-listening to Elias of Sun Hill, I already had the songs stuck in my head because I knew them so well and just already knew them before re-listening uh, to it for this. Um, hey, you have a Chihuahua, right? Yeah, I do. What's <laughs> his, his name? His name is Elias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, This album has meant a lot to yeah, he's a brown chihuahua. And funny enough, one of the comments that we got, we got like so many comments, so I had to like trim it down to just several. But one of them was from someone named Debbie, uh, Debbie Gentry Thompson, who said, love this album so much that I named my dog Elias. And she also had some sort of brown dog. And it's just wow, are really you, f- funny. <laughs> are you guys related? Wait, I guess I would know that. <laughs> and how old's Elias? 15, 17? Uh he will be he'll be 14 in September. Wow. And there's a couple comments here from people watching on Yeah, on, I look, see them. On the Yeah, you check Trump Talk TV on the Yes Shift page. I see Jason Dole says, I think it's great people are discussing Elias of Sun Hello. Well, I don't know if people are, but we are. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. That's cool, though. Uh, good point on the awakened connection. There's lots of looping, rhythmic, and organic chants. Yeah, that's true. And that's where I got some of We Have Heaven from as well as the actual mix and sound of John's voice. And then uh, Christina Burbano Jeffrey. Hey, Christina. Says, I loved this album for years. Thanks for putting it on the show today. Awesome. Thank you so much for following. It's a beautiful album. And it... Here's the thing. If John Anderson was not in Yes, and this album just came out of nowhere as an unknown artist, it'd be at least as freaking brilliant. It's kind of less brilliant knowing that it's from John Anderson. He had been in Yes for X amount of years now, so you have this high expectation already. And it's great. It's still brilliant. But had it come from an unknown John Anderson with no pedigree of any, you know, acumen in the music industry that we knew about, it'd be like, holy crap, what is this? And I hear a lot of music that's absolutely worthy of uh, motion picture soundtrack type music. And, you know, uh, again, I'd love to see this as another album. I'd love to see a film made of or animation or something telling the story because it's a beautiful, beautiful story and a beautifully told story musically. Yeah, that hits on the next thing I was going to ask. But first, uh, since you brought it up, um, I think, well, if John was an unknown and he came out with this album, would this have gotten as much attention, like like enough attention for it to be successful? Well, that's a great question and in two ways. Number one, would he have even gotten signed? Let's say yes, because it, Yes, (laughs) because it was 1976. So if we put it in the context of the time to answer that question, I would say yes. Prague was still so alive. I mean, 
you know, he's on the heels of having just put out and toured probably one of the most esoteric prog albums by a somewhat commercially known band. Yes. And with Relayer. So compared to Relayer, it's pretty tame. So I, I think would it have gotten as much attention? That's really hard to say, but I, I believe it would have gotten radio play and it would have gotten attention. Yeah, I hope that I, didn't sound like a political answer that made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think one thing that was a bit of um, something to consider is would Relayer even have been a thing without John? Or Because like, I know he's not all of Yes, but how different would Relayer have been without him would it still have been esoteric because yeah they still had patrick and okay yeah musically oh. it could be honestly oh god this will sound horrible but i'm gonna say it had the music been sung by someone else in japanese or portuguese with the same syllables and the same notes and not having a clue what the story was I, I think it still would have been revered as a holy crap album. Okay. Uh, you may still have been able to discern from Gates of Delirium that it's a story about war and, you know, all that, because musically it's told very well that way. But To Be Over still would have been an absolutely beautiful song. And Sound Chaser would have made musos want to literally chase that sound and be able to play it. I'm not saying the vocals don't matter or John doesn't matter. I'm just saying there's that side of it where musically it, it stands on its own. Well, another thing is that there's some of the no nice way to say that, I guess, well, but the concepts for close to the edge topographic oceans and relayer came about because of stuff that John read. So I feel like the path for yes would have been different and it, you know, those albums might not have been as esoteric, like they might not have ended up as they were, but there were still other prog rock bands at, around this time who were doing some weird stuff. So maybe the Elias of Sun Hill still would have fit in um, in that sort of scene. And I think part of what would have helped it to be commercially accepted is that whole folksy sort of side of it. You know, a sort of a cross sort of like Jethro Tull. I was just going to say that it's sort of like a cross <laughs> between what Jethro Tull was doing at the time with the Renaissance slash Baroque sort of soundscape to their music with um, what Yes ended up doing with Wondrous Stories and Turn of the Century and, you know, Magical and that sort of thing. It, it, it slots right in there, probably by no coincidence. Um it makes me want to listen to the heck out of it over and over and over and really absorb it in, which I, I still have it right here, ready to go. Yeah. But getting back to the film aspect that yeah. you brought up, uh, something I forgot to mention on the Story of I episode is that about 20 years ago, Patrick said he'd love for his for Story of I to get adapted into like a movie, whether it be live action or 3D animation or 2D animation. And so my question to you is, could could either that or Elias of Sunhillo be adapted to the screen? And in what medium or 
style do you think either of those would work best in? So I'm going to start with Elias and I can see it in two ways. Um, I could see it live action in the vein of how the Lord of the Rings story unfolded, Mm. but maybe even more so with the folks at Henson with the dark crystal and that sort of Mm. thing. I, I think that would, you know, you'd really be able to bring that album cover to life in the whole persona of all that and the more glade and, I think that would really be cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, with Patrick, I see more of a 3D animation thing, I believe. Okay. How about you with either of those? Well, for Patrick's album, it's hard for me to discern what could work best. Um, if it were made today, live action might be able to work. You could make it sort of a surrealist film. And uh, I don't know if they would have to pad the runtime with like more dialogue in between songs or maybe more songs would have to be added. Like I'm yeah, not I was sure how to say underscoring work. and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Um, for John's album, I-, I do agree that doing it like the Dark Crystal would fit it pretty well. And I mean, both that story and Eliza Sunhillo involve, you know, using music to get all this stuff done. It's very mystical and, uh, some of that iconography with like the triangles and stuff, like I could just see it and I want more of that fantasy puppet, like live Muppet. action. St- Muppet. Well, yeah, well, it's still puppetry, but yeah, like I want to see more of that with, you know, live action, but with no live action humans, like yeah. utilize puppetry to its fullest. And we need more of that. Um, I, I could, great. I could also imagine this, like if this had been made, if a movie or, or TV special of this had been made in like the late seventies, you could have had Rankin and Bass do it. Like how they did the animated Hobbit movie from 77. Yeah, that's true. Huh? That could work, but it just wouldn't. Yeah. If it came out, then it would make sense. I was going to say it wouldn't have had the depth and all that, but at the time, I got The Hobbit when it came out, the animated. You remember watching it as a little kid, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's a huge, like, thing that made my personality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Steve actually lives under a tree on a hit. Oh, well, never mind. Um, <laughs> he's also about six foot one. I I think it to today it would look dated but back then it would have worked because that's how things were back then you know yeah which is why today i think the jim henson company would be the best fit for it yeah um whereas story of i is kind of it's hard to nail down because i feel like it's a bit more abstract and futuristic sort of right yeah it's a bit more sci-fi whereas this one despite going into space feels more fantasy and mystical yeah yeah. But yeah, but adaptations of either of those, I'd be very, I would be very curious to see. I would just be wondering, like, how much would they have to add, like, dialogue wise and maybe add more songs and that type of stuff? And would yeah. it still be as effective, you know? What's the running time? Do you know the total running time of Elias? Uh, about 40, 45 minutes, I think. Yeah. 
So you need to add at least another half hour for it to be, well, 45 minutes could be a short film. Right. Yeah. A long um, short film. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. that'd be a prog short film. Yeah. Um, so another thing I thought of, which I might need to explain is what makes a solo album more of a solo album? Like it is, how do I explain this? Um, so does duplicating oneself so that they're performing everything make a solo album more of a solo album or does having just one person perform one thing where it feels like it's just one voice, one instrumentalist throughout, make it feel like more of a solo album? I'm going to give you two answers. One is okay. they're, they're both right because sometimes a solo album means someone's in a band that they're a member of and they're known for, but they break away to do this project. So it's considered a solo album, regardless of how much they do or don't play or sing on it. Whereas for my sensibilities, I more appreciate something like this, where, where in John's case, he's playing everything, but um, where in other cases, the person's playing at least most of the things and they've written all the music and it's their baby you know, their thing. Um, Alan's, bless his heart, Ramshackle was much more uh, a complete embellishment of your second example, where it just happens to be solo as in not in yes, the band he was, even though he had a couple of the members involved, you know, it, that and this album we're talking about are two different ends of the spectrum. Um, and, and do you want to, Address that comment by Nick, because I know you said some of this already, but before we do, what's your answer to that? And is um, mine acceptable to you? Uh, I mean, everything you said was fair. I, I don't know if I have an answer nailed down. It's just a thing I thought of, like, does having just one person and like nobody else and they do one instrument, one voice, would that make it feel more like a solo album? I think yes. And okay. Um, and so, I think I also think if they have guests, let, let's say it's my solo album and I'm playing drums and percussion and that's it. And I'm in a band. I'm known for that band. And I do a solo album, but I'm playing just drums and percussion. But I wrote all the songs and I'm producing it. I think that's very much a solo album. OK, yeah, because that's kind was, of middle ground there. Yeah, because I was thinking um, out of well. Uh, in any case, like to me, this feels the most solo album out of these five. Yes, solo albums of these of this period um, somehow, because I think it because it's just John, even if he is performing everything and it doesn't feel like it's just one person doing one thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. He's not um, just playing the harmonica through the whole album. Right. But this comment from Nick Kokosius. Uh, Elias of Sun Hillo was inspired by the book The Initiation of the World by Vera Stanley Alder, a British portrait artist and writer on Western occultism. I call also, bullshit. Oh, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> she, she also advised John on concepts for the Tales from Topographic Oceans album. I think she even helped with writing in the liner notes. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that about Topographic Oceans. Um, so, yeah, thanks for that comment. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, that's so cool, Nick, to have you chime in and be so well versed in such a 
literally a deep cut, you know, that that's a whole album. The album's a deep cut, right? Yeah, definitely. It's just so out there. Yeah. Um, I wonder what percentage of Yes fans have ever even heard this. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of percentages, um, how Yes is this album, would you say? Ooh, you always ask this during these. I love this question. Yeah. <laughs> So I have a question in order for me to answer in the right context. Okay. Well, the, okay. I was going to ask, I'm answering only in the context of up to that point, right? Not what came after. Cause I mentioned wondrous stories. And uh, you, you could answer for both. Like you okay. could do up to this point or just all of yes in general. Like you could answer both ways. Okay. I hear, I hear a lot of his imprint on yes in this rather than the other way around, even though I did make the Steve Howe reference with the influence of all the different stringed instruments, but I hear a huge imprint of this is what John Anderson's all about. And it's not just his voice and it's not just the lyrics and it's not just the melodies. It is all those things, but 100% his influence on it this time, rather than someone else saying, no, sing it this way or, you know, and or him singing someone else's lyrics, and and the whole musical soundscape and styling. So if you take this and slap it onto, yes, music up to that point, and even I guess I say at least it makes up for at least thirty to fifty percent of the classic yes sound. Okay. And that might be more than anyone else I've ever cited. Interesting. Yeah, I think for me, if it's just up to this point, I was thinking like maybe 30%, but perhaps no higher than that. Because, I mean, maybe it's because I list because, you know, Story of I listening to that recently, like, to me, it just felt a bit more like, like, it's easier for me to imagine Story of I retrofitted into a Yes album than Elias of Sun Hillo as a Yes album. Um, but if I were to use the percentages for like, all of yes history then i guess this might be a little bit lower like maybe 20 25 because like some of the later yes stuff has goes through like some of those changes where it's like not as esoteric um, as you said so um but it's still like here i still hear some of those traces of yes definitely just yeah and i hear much. i hear things like um i get up i get down that could have been mm. on this album. I hear um Oh, the remembering? Totally hear that on this album. That totally would fit if that came in out of nowhere. Um you know, just little things like like that. Just little Things like I think China had something to do with that now that I hear this, you know, mm. and some of it we know we did, but leaves yeah. of green. Yeah, like, I, yeah, because well, I mean, even parts of the ancient have like some like like the way that the words are chanted and, and like there's some carryover into this, I think, like the yeah. way some things are chanted. And yeah. I, we have heaven. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Um, what we talked about, what Jason mentioned, also agreed with us about um, Awaken. You mm-hmm. know, with the you said the tribal stuff, the loop and looping, re- yeah. repeating rhythms. There, there's he's definitely had a little bit to do with the sound of yes over the years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and like this was a huge first solo album for him to yeah. do. Like, I, like I don't think there was anything. Um, quite on this scale from him until Toltec, I, I would and, say. And you know what? You make a great point that you mentioned earlier about him probably feeling like he had something to prove. He was known for having a tambourine once in a while, maracas. Once in a while, he had an acoustic guitar. And and then it wasn't till this album we knew he, you know, he plays everything on it. He went from a almost nothing to playing everything he could get his hands on. Yeah. You know, I think that's extremely impressive. It was, it's probably the most surprising solo album by a Yes member because of that. You know, imagine hearing it and not reading the liner notes and thinking like, who else is on this? No one. Wait, what? But who's playing? That's John. But what about the, that's John. (laughs) What? Because we never saw that or heard it before. Yeah, because I think one of the comments uh, that I saw was like someone, I think today, thought that Patrick had performed on it with John. And then I told them, no, it's just John on all of it. And they're like, oh, I stand corrected. So it was a really funny thing. But it's Um, also a testament to how well he fooled everybody with some great musicianship on, on some instruments. He was not very well versed. He just picked them up and played them. And, you know, and I say that with love. I'm not criticizing. Ian Anderson, same thing. He is a flautist to the, to, to the highest degree of flouting. I learned only in the last maybe three years ago that all the stuff he had done on other stringed instruments, he was making shit up. He didn't know what <laughs> chords he was playing. He was just getting the sounds from his head to his fingers. And that, that's what I've done over the years with those instruments. I, I forgot so much music theory that when I did recordings playing and I'm looking at a 10 string guitar, an eight string mandolin, a six string classical guitar, I, I never wrote out the music. I just taught my fingers to do what was in my head. And, and for him to do a whole album like that and for it to work, that's it, very impressive. Yeah, um, I have like a couple more topics, but let's get through these some of these comments first. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure if we'll be able to read all of these that we have on the dock here, but uh, Brian Levine describes it uh, as such. He says, it's an event. John Anderson does Tolkien via Roger Dean. When you consider he played all the instruments, it's nothing short of phenomenal. And yeah, that's a very great way of describing it. You know, Tolkien by way of Roger Dean. Yeah, Absolutely. And John Kuhn says, absolutely incredible that John did this all by himself, a true solo album and extremely creative. Um, and here's an interesting one from Mark Jacobson. Yeah. He says, this was a challenging album for me, but since I like musical challenges, it was just fine. After several years, I fell in love with it. And it's always blown my mind that John Anderson played everything, just to our point, what we were talking about. Not bad for a singer. And John, of course, is known as a singer. Uh, Freddie Mercury was a singer, but he was a brilliant musician as well. Um, 
Yeah, he continues. Yeah, um, anyway, I rank it number two amongst all solo albums by Yes members, only behind Chris Squire's Fish Out of Water. I'll have to check that out. I'm not familiar with it. <laughs> uh, which I think is a, the greatest solo album by anyone ever. Kind of hard to beat that. But Elias of Sun Hello certainly takes the cake for most unique album ever. I mean, there is nothing else like it, even from John himself, good point, uh, could make another album like this. All the stars were aligned for this masterpiece to be made, as it were. That's a great uh, testimony for that album, especially yeah. going in with it apprehensively, it seemed like, Mark. Yeah, and on a slightly different end, uh, Hugh McGinnigal says, the writing of Yes collectively and individually was so prolific around that time with Fragile, Close to the Edge, and Tales, along with the solo albums. Of those solo albums, John takes top place over Chris's Fish Out of Water by virtue of the sheer complexity of the pieces and the fact that he played everything on it. I've often wondered if... Sorry, what? I said everything in all caps. Oh, yeah. Um, he continues, I've often wondered if what Mike Oldfield did with tubular bells gave John the idea of doing everything himself. Good point. That's a yeah. great point. So, yeah, that's an instance where um, Hugh prefers Elias over Fish Out of Water. But I did see a couple other people say they prefer Fish Out of Water despite liking Elias. So I think Fish Out of Water is probably, out of these five albums, the one that pleases the most types of fans like both the more casual listeners who might go for commercial stuff and the prog heads who would listen to complex stuff if that makes sense yeah i think you're right it's probably the the biggest crossover easy easily crossed over album if that makes sense steve howe probably being second to that yeah, and these next two comments that uh, we have, we actually have a couple images from them. So this one is from Doug Curran, uh, who says, John's best solo album, a wonderful mix of music, story, and art in one package. A must for John fans. This is my John signed in 76 US album. Um, and yeah, so he uh, posted a comment of, uh, his copy of the album with John's signature. And I didn't download that to show it. Oh. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. Sorry, Doug. Um, and Tom Millman said, this is my favorite album of all time. Headphones, a darkened room, a nice buzz, and I'm right there. This is my <laughs> original pressing that John signed accidentally twice at the 1000 Hands meet and greet. Um, so yeah, he also had uh, one where John signed it twice. is kind of funny. And Dave Watkinson, uh, who's been Who? on our show a couple of times. Who? Uh, Dave Watkinson. Uh, he says, an album like no other. John is a ge- in genius mode. Perfect music, story, and cover. I have the whole box of 50 items on Elias I used for the re-release. Um, so yeah, lots and of... And it came out on his birthday, I happen to remember. Not John's birthday, Dave's. Oh, did it? Yeah, it came out on his birthday 40, uh, 40 years ago, whenever, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, Not 40 years ago, what am I saying? But when it came <laughs> out, it came out on his birthday. Okay. His 40th um, birthday, Dave's like 98. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, going back to... Um, 
Yeah, we have this thing about uh, the Yes Solos sampler, but uh, uh, do you want to touch on that solo sampler thing first yeah. or these other two questions at first? Two questions. Okay. So uh, from what you've heard of the live stuff, like what do you think? Well, I guess I should preface this by in terms of live play, um, and we haven't heard like all this, like both of us, but in terms of live play, John has done Flight of the Morglade at least once on the Yes 1976 tour. Right. And like we mentioned, there's a 79 Montreal Jazz Festival. And he's also done uh, Flight of the Morglade acoustically in the early 2010s. And on the 1000 Hands tour, he's done... Um, uh, I remember at the show I went to, it it had Ocean Song playing on the speakers while everyone was getting ready to perform. You know, as a pre-show. Did track. that surprise you? Yeah, yeah, it kind of did. Uh, it surprised me how much Elias there was in there. Like, um, I know Flight of the Morglade was performed. It began with the violinist doing like a little bit, and that segued into that. And uh, there, there was like something kind of missing that didn't make it sound as spacey as on the album but there was some cool stuff like i could hear like the guy on like the hand drum like you know whenever john would be singing it would be like in rhythm with that so like at the slightest confrontation it'd be like you know that type of thing yeah um and i think um to the runner was also oh. played and at the end of the show, when they did Starship Trooper, they uh, segued the song into a bit of solid space at the end. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, it fit really nicely. Just that transition is so good. That's interesting. Um, yeah. But what what do you think of the little bit of what you've heard of, like what I sent you, like the intro music, I guess? Yeah, we played a little bit of the intro um, I'm going to open it up before I answer and play a little bit of it. And it might jump on the screen real quick, folks. I'll move it out of the way um, because the pictures have nothing to do with the, the music. Oh, it's not going to. So check this out. I'm just randomly going to just go right here. your question i think it translates really well i loved the piece of him just playing with the acoustic and and singing i think because of that folk element 
that I've been mentioning that it translates really well that way. It's easy to play a stripped down version of some of this stuff and for it to work. I'd love to see him do a tour of just doing that album. Yeah, I think over the last several years, he's been saying it'd be fun to do all of Elias of Sun Hill live. And clearly, like, the the crowd loves hearing this stuff, you know, the John Anderson fan. So it would be a huge hit if he did the whole album. What's and... with his follow-up? Son of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, his follow-up, over the years, he's referred to it as the Songs of Zamran, Son of Elias. And... Uh, it, it might have gotten a shortened name over the last few years, like just Zamran or something, but he's been talking about this since, like, at least as far back as 1999. And back then he was saying he was working, he'd been working a couple years or a few years on something like sort of like Elias. And um, every now and then he'll say in an interview that he's still working on it. And there are like little snippets that have trickled onto YouTube, like from this work in progress. But the way that he talks about it is, it sounds like, like what the heck is this supposed to be? Cause I remember there was a quote from him uh, and you can find lots of this info over on Bondi Gazoo. But at one point I remember he said something like, oh, it, Xamarin is gonna be an app and it'll take you on different pathways. And, oh. and it's like, well, what is this supposed to be? Is it supposed to be like, on shuffle and it makes sense no matter what order you listen it to or is it supposed to like is it choose your own adventure type of thing like how's this supposed to work interesting so what what's your answer for how it sounds live and how it translates oh the elias material you mean it sounds really great i i really want the full album to be performed yeah um but going back to zamran it's like I don't know like what the deal is. And uh, I know with Elias of Sun Hillo, uh, John said that it was supposed to take two months and then became five. So like, I'm wondering, is that same thing happening, but on a much longer uh, amount Apparently. of time? Um, so I, I just found like this quote from like, the March issue of Prague magazine, where it apparently describes Anderson as being close to finishing Zamran, Son of Elias, and he's quoted as saying, it will be in four movements lasting over four hours. The first and second <laughs> movements are finished. They're 55 minutes and an hour. I was working on the third movement just yesterday. That's over an hour. Now I've just got to work out the story interwoven between the layers. Wow. I'd love to see the film, see the concert, get the book set, the whole deal. Yeah, I, I would love um, these albums adapt into graphic novels or prose novels. Like, that'd be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And what was the other question? Uh, so the other question, oh, I think it was actually about Zamran, like what the deal is with that. But, oh, oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah. But I guess we can go to the Yes Solos LP sampler topic we have at the bottom. Yeah. Um, so from what I understand, this was an LP that was given to like radio DJs so that they have like all these, I guess, singles from each of these five Yes Solo albums. And I suppose they're, it's not designed to be played beginning to end. But right. um, what I was kind of wondering is, 
if it were designed that way as an album where it showcases two tracks from each of these five albums, is there anything you would swap out and swap in, I guess? Uh, I should mention that this has Flight of the Morgoid, Hold Out Your Hand, Break Away From It All, Best Years of Our Lives, Spring of Innocence, or Spring Song of Innocence, sorry. Ooh Baby, Dancing Now, Lost Symphony, Lucky Seven, and Meeting uh, with Sound Out the Galleon. Um, I'm looking at the list to answer that. First of all, I think Break Away From It All by Steve Howe needs to go either first or last. Mm. It's in the third position. I, I love that song. It's so much energy and... Uh, that should probably be the last song just like it is on his album because the outro of it is great. Okay. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. To open, I'd say um, Hold Out Your Hand. Ooh. Yeah. Um, song of Innocence I see in the middle before or after Flight of the Morgclade and... I see f- kind of Flight of the Morglade meeting and then Alan's two songs in the order that they are there right after those, Song of Innocence and then Ooh Baby, Going to Pieces, uh, as sort of the the bridge of the album, if you will, and then kind of kick it back in the gear with almost any order of what's left there, I think would work. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know about swapping anything out. I'm, I'm, some of the songs, like from from Patrick's album, I don't I don't remember all the title names and everything. Right. But, yeah. But there aren't either. any songs here. I'd say that's got to go. You know, there's no all good people for me on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do kind of like how this is bookended by two John Anderson songs, but. I, I like the idea that you provided that it should begin with hold out your hand. I, I think that as much as I like Lucky 7, I would swap that out so that we could have, uh, like, well, for one thing, I, I would put some of these back to back with their respective artists so they wouldn't all be separate from each other. But um, if it begins with hold out your hand, I would want it to be followed by you by my side because I just... Like those two go hand in hand, pun intended. Um, I, I, okay. I love that song. I love hearing Chris sing with almost no other music with his voice. But to me, hold out your hand as an opening, and then it just comes down with. You know, that's the only thing. It would just bring it down and then you got to. Well, I, I think I think they can make that work, though. Like they could follow that with Spring Song of Innocence and then have that lead into Meeting, Sound Out the Galleon, and then Fight of the Morgwade ends side one. And then you don't think it just cools off too soon, though? Mm, I, I don't think so. OK. And then side two, I think I would swap out Ooh Baby for Avacac since that one is like really 
you know, really trippy and just that's uh, true. I prefer that over Uber. Uh, that's true, yeah. And then Dancing Now is a good song, but I think I would swap that out for Kashasa. And then uh, I suppose then you would have um hmm. There's there's a lot of people that have yeah, never heard any of these songs. Yeah, there's also that Patrick couple. song Best Years of Our Lives, which I guess I would put after Kashasa cuz you have to showcase that there are vocals on the album, I guess. And then go into um go into Lost Symphony and Break Away from It All, I guess. Fair. Cool. Folks, let us know what you think. If you're listening on the archive, go ahead and chime in with your comments. And uh, you can also, if you don't want to look at us, you can always listen to our audio podcast versions at anchor.fm slash yes shift. And you can write us with ideas, suggestions, or just to say hey at Yes, shift podcast at gmail.com. And you can buy us a cup of coffee or an iced tea at Stephen. Yeah, just go to anchor.fm slash yes shift and click the support button. And yeah, you, you can listen to the audio on various apps, you know, Apple and a bunch of other ones. But yeah, and um, you can also find these. Um, on the YouTube channel, which I'll link, of course. And uh, again, you like you can catch us live here on facebook.com slash yesshift. And our next show will be on July 11th. It'll be our one-year anniversary show, which we've titled Going for the One-Year Anniversary. So we'll be talking about going for the one and sort of uh, kind of through the lens of how did... Well, I'm sure we'll like be gushing about like what we love about that album but we'll also be like looking at it through the lens of how did working on soul albums in this period sort of influence that's that like album. my least favorite yes album but whatever <laughs> no i'm kidding i'm kidding and, folks right, i know it's and, the least favorite of other people but not mine right and uh, we'll also be sharing like uh, I, I guess we'll begin the show by like sharing memories of the show like talking about things that um we've enjoyed and surprising things i guess like i don't know yeah like, i got all like, kinds of anecdotes for that album yeah we'll, we'll begin i was like, there when boom. it came out oh but i meant like um we'll begin with like um trip through memory lane of like our experience with yes shift like this past year ah because it is our one year anniversary wow yeah. And people can write to us or leave comments and we might read something if you have any thoughts on that or just yeah. like going for the one. Yeah, If you've enjoyed anything that we've done, if you've enjoyed any of the interviews, we've had a few people on, Billy Sherwood, Bill Bruford, uh, Mike Tiano, a few other Yes-related people. Yeah, Oliver Wakeman. Some others, Oliver Wakeman. Adam Sears from Lobate Scar. Adam uh, this, Sears. Yeah, this, you have it all CD. Actually, uh, came in the mail. For That's me. awesome. It's all signed. Yeah. Nice. From the Indiegogo. Yeah. yeah. If you've enjoyed any of that, chime in. Tell us what you've liked so we can do more of that. And thanks for following what we do. And yeah, we will see sure. you soon.
Thanks, everybody. Oh, let's have a little treat on the way out. How about that? <laughs>